Good afternoon, uh, Mark Anthony here at Demolition News again for the latest of our COVID-19 live streams. Um, got a, a, a guest or two live today, um, but before I get to that, very quick update. Um, despite the fact that the government has continued to say that construction and demolition workers are considered key workers and they should continue to go to, to site and go to work, um, I've seen a, an absolute rash today of demolition and construction firms announcing on social media that they are shutting up shop. To my mind, that is absolutely the right decision. Um, as I've said previously on, on this live stream, we do operate in a, an industry um, that, that, that carries the safety of our, our workers very close to its heart. Uh, we're also very adept at assessing risk, and I, I'm, my hat's off to everyone that's assessed the risk that currently posed by the, the COVID-19 virus and have taken the decision very brave and a noble decision to, to actually shut up shop. Um, slightly frustrated that, that some of the industry leaders are still largely sitting on the fence, to be honest. Um, I, I would have thought that it would have been in their interest and, and the interest of, of the wider industry for a few people to actually stand up and be counted and say, enough's enough you know we, are, we we can't be putting men and women at, at risk let's call it a day there will be exceptions obviously um, there will be um, vital works that are going on um demolition projects that can't be left unattended because they've been rendered unsafe in one way or another um but i think we need to look at the bigger picture um the, the important thing at the moment is to really hunker down and 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 try and try our level best to come through this at the other end, uh, you know, as, as safely and as securely as we possibly can. Um, <clears throat> I mentioned earlier that we've got a couple of guests. I can see one is in our uh, green room at the moment, Danny Kearney uh, of ProSafe. Um, Danny has got a lot of experience in um, mental health awareness and that kind of thing. Um, my plan was actually to speak to somebody else ahead of Danny, but Danny's here now, so I'm going to bring him in, and then when our other guest arrives, um, we, we'll switch over to, to him. Let's bring Danny into the stream now. Hello. Good afternoon, Danny. How are you doing? Good, thanks. How are you, Mark? I, I'm very well. I'm, uh, you know, as I said previously on this live stream, I'm. Uh, this doesn't really make a huge amount of difference to me because I'm a bit of a hermit anyway. I sit in my office day in day out. I, I have no friends, and this is this is kind of how I'm, I live my life. So it's made no real impact on me. Yeah, perfect preparation for you, Mark. Absolutely, I've I've barely noticed the change. Now, I, I've mentioned the fact that you you've had a lot of dealings in in the area of, of mental health awareness. I think today has, has really hit home to me. Uh, you know, obviously, everyone has been very very conscious of the the financial fallout that we're likely to see from this, yeah. but there, there will be a wider you know potential emotional and and, and possibly a mental health uh, fallout from this as well because we do live in an industry or we work in an industry where you know people are you know worried about their incomes and and I, I think over the over the past couple of years I've said I mean, I've interviewed you previously and I've I've spoken about this at, at some length there is a, a degree of mental health problems or mental health issues that come with uncertainty and my god are we in a period of uncertainty at the moment what's your take on the situation where we are today well, sir, the, the, the uncertainty is definitely uh, something that... Um, can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear, yeah. yeah. And you look uh, better without the headphones as well. Yeah, thanks, yeah. 
the uncertainty is something that um, that we're all in the same boat. Nobody knows any more than uh, than the latest information that's issued, than the latest guidance that's issued by the government. And, and fundamentally, everybody in the government is um, is is living and working on a on a very short sort of process. Um, I've spoken I've spoken to a few people about anxiety and the way that it's making them feel. And, and truthfully, I'm one of them. You know, my business relies on face to face training and uh and i too am sitting there you know, i'm now sitting in the lounge the baby's crying and you know the kids are pulling each other's hair out and we're only on day three um and day three of no income and it, it's a very real scenario it's a very real situation but we're all in it and um from what i can see and from the people i've spoken to is that they a lot of people have accepted this as a real as a real crisis and therefore their anxiety has been able to manage with that because people with anxiety people with um low mood learn to to, to manage through their daily you know activities and and, and one per person i spoke to in particular said actually this feels almost like i've prepared and i'm ready for what's coming and and because everybody's in the same situation there's there's already a collaboration there everyone's got to work together to get out of this no one person really is any better off we're all sat at home uh, waiting for for the news um you know whether that whether that's one of us becomes ill whether it's a friend or a family member that becomes ill whether our businesses fail whether our businesses succeed whether we can pay the mortgage whether the the, the bills can be paid all of those things are very real and we have to trust uh, as hard as it might be that um that a solution will eventually turn up and um no absolutely i i i've just spotted um it's it's timely that you should say that uh, our other guest at the moment is nigel williams uh nigel was on on the live stream yesterday and unfortunately technology defeated him and it, it cut him off in, in midstream um nigel is actually a, a self-employed self-funded uh excavator operator and it, this is probably overstating things a little bit, but I'm, I'm sure he'll, he'll tell me that. But I, I saw a photograph on uh, LinkedIn last night of him basically leaving his his trusty excavator for the last time for we don't know how long. So, Nigel, thanks for coming back on. Thanks for mm -hmm. trusting the uh, technology. Can you give us some indication of how you're feeling today, knowing that you're you're not at work today and and you're not you're not going to be at work tomorrow either? It was yesterday was rough. Yesterday was was very very rough. I went to work thinking it was key construction workers. I heard Michael Gove say that we were, you know, construction workers. We were we were key workers and that we should carry on working. And then middle of the day we got shut down. And yeah, it's it, it's rough. You know, you, you. I felt anxious. I felt nauseous. My legs were like jelly as I walked to the van. And I'm home today. You know, stiff cup of tea stiff upper lip let's see what we can do and yeah i got up this morning the sun was shining it's going to be a beautiful day and i just have to hope and pray and put some faith in the government that they're not going to throw us under the bus now you, you said that you got up this morning let me guess you got up about half past five because that's in your nature isn't it <laughs> well well you know me so well yes yes indeed indeed at um at quarter past five the internal alarm clock said it's time to get up you get up you brush your teeth and you think she's like, right i'll have a cup of tea and then i'll make the flask and let's get ready for them and then you're like oh 
oh, okay, well, I'll just have a cup of tea and I'll, you know, I'll watch something, watch some rubbish on YouTube. And it's like, well, okay, how about we just go back to bed? Mm. So I made a cup of tea and I went back to bed. And then I got up at half past nine, full English breakfast, sausage, egg, bacon, mushrooms, black pudding. And yeah, here, here I am. You know, I've got to put a brave <laughs> face on it because ain't no one going to do that for me. Aside from the fact that you just made me feel very, very hungry, almost yeah. as hungry as Danny's post of his, the, the bread that he bakes every day. Um, well, one of the things that, that struck me there is, as I said, you, you've described it as your internal alarm clock, and that is very much the case. But I think all of us are, in one way or another, defined by our jobs. You know, my, my daily agenda is defined by what I do for a living. You know, everything about me, you know, I, I'd like to think that, you know, I'm a husband and I'm a father and all that, but ultimately I'm a journalist. That's what I do. And that that really does define my life. And and I think, you know, you're experiencing this probably for the first time, I would guess, uh, Nigel. You know, that leaves a big hole. And, and you've been through that as well, Danny, haven't you? I mean, you, you're ex-military and you, you found yourself in, in Civic Street, which is, mm. you're not being told what to do 24-7, are you? Yeah, there's um, and and as you know, uh, Mark, I worked with uh, a couple of demolition companies in the past. One unknowingly went into administration. One I was fully aware of what was happening when I entered the business, um, and went through that change, that life change. But leaving the forces was a particular um, time of my life where the, the massive change, uh, and, and and in reality, a level of grief about the life you had before. And I think that we're probably experiencing some of that. A lot of people that may be experiencing what they see as anxiety or that feeling of anxiety. In actual fact, we're grieving for something that we, that we had, um, whether that's a job, whether that's a lifestyle, whether that's, um, you know, our friends, our colleagues and everything else, because it's come unexpectedly. It's, it's out of the blue. It's epic. It's a massive thing. The, the, there are no... Um, there is no way of, of muting this or making it any less of, of, a, of an issue. Um, and we're all sat here now thinking, what do we do? But, but you, you both raised the really valid points. Um, and I think something that helps and helped me and continues to help me. I mean, I'm sat in my living room. I'm sat on the floor. I can hear the kids next door, but I've had a shave. The bits that aren't hairy. Um, <laughs> yeah, we so. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm in a shirt. I am. I promise. I'm wearing jeans. I'm not just sat in my, in my boxer shorts. And I got up at the same time. I got up really early this morning, and 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 I set about work as if there was some work to do. Like you, Mark. I a lot of my work is driven by what I do, um, in, in 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 the background. But there's only so much of that you can do if there's no one at the other end of it to receive it. If there's no one to re read an article. Then the article doesn't need to be written effectively. Oh, that's never stopped me before. No, 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 no. Understood. So, certainly, some key things for anyone that's listening in that situation. This is terrible, uh, and it's not going away in the in the, the very near future. There's a lot of positive stuff out there, and we should really grab hold of that positive stuff every single day. That sun comes up, whether you can see it or not, it still comes up. It's still there you know, warming the planet and doing what it needs to do. So there's a glimmer of hope everywhere, but maintaining a daily routine, absolutely imperative. And um, so for me, rather than the walk to the train station or walking around London or whatever it is I might be doing, I now have a walk around the block. We take the kids out to get a bit of sunshine, but we get up, we make our beds, we keep the routine. We 
um, find a replacement for what it was that we were doing. So we're educating the kids while we're looking after the kids at home, you know, and that's just completely new to all of us. But it's a routine. They've got a routine. We've got a routine. And with that comes an element of comfort, an element of structure. And it's really important factor in resilience to have routine. Eating well, you know, looking after your physical health. So you're used to going out and getting your machine, walking around site all day, doing probably 10, 15,000 steps, I would imagine, just getting to and from your machine, um, getting around and getting to and from the actual site. Maintain that. Find something to do. This is for anybody, really. Find something to do to, to add into that. And that can be a positive change as well. Picking up with, with you, Nigel, I, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I'm not sure where we got cut off yesterday exactly. But one of the points that, that Nigel made uh, when I met up with him uh, a while back was the fact that, you know, he, he plans his, being self-employed, he plans his finances around, you know, what, what he can and can't do. And yeah. he, was, he, he mentioned to me the fact that, you know, Christmas and the New Year is is effectively a ten day shutdown, and a ten day shutdown costs him ten days money, and he has to factor that in. We're, mm. we're now entering a point where he's entered a, a shutdown. We don't actually know how long that shutdown is is likely to last. Mm. It's it's hard to maintain a positive outlook when you're not not entirely sure how you're paying the next bills and 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 yeah. you know keeping your training up and and all that goes with it. Is it? Yeah, it is. It's incredibly difficult, but I think that's where. Um, you know, we've been told about, you know, the keep calm and carry on, the British stoicism, the stiff upper lip and everything else. And really, that's the only thing. The whole stoicism, you know, fight away, don't give up, all that sort of stuff has a negative effect quite often in mental health because people choose not to talk about their mental health, choose not to talk about what's what's bothering them. Here, though, we see a situation that's unchangeable for millions of people. It's close to six million people that are self-employed. Um, some of the people that work for my business are self-employed through choice to give them flexibility. I I am a business owner, but but there's no money coming in. So I can furlough myself. I can, you know, stop my pay and all that sort of stuff. But fundamentally, if I'm not working, the business isn't earning. So and I acknowledge that. And it's um it's scary, no doubt about it. You know, I've I've been in some very scary situations and I've experienced long times of I guess you could call this type of lockdown. Um, but all the time in the back of your mind, there's an end uh, and there's a level of understanding that it's not it's not forever. And, you know, quite often I, I didn't have anyone to look after and I have my family to look after. Um, and we're both in the same situation, my wife and I, where income has ceased because of what we've chosen to do. So, yes, I get that. I get that getting out of bed in the morning, making your bed, opening the curtain, getting some fresh air, going and sitting, finding the sunlight, looking, emailing, trying to find what there is you can do is quite often impossible. But if we have nothing else, the power of thoughts is the thing that quite often antagonizes and um, manifests the negative mental health. Uh, if you look at the, the theory that there is nothing good or bad, but thinking makes it so, which was in a Shakespeare. Maybe you can remind me which one it was, Mark. I can't remember. <laughs> you think I'm better educated than I really am. Um, I'm not saying for a second that, there's, that that losing your job is isn't bad. Of course it is. But the way we think about it, and the way we then we move forward with it, is what's going to protect us to an extent. Of course, we can't just go, yeah, I'm out of work, but it doesn't matter because I get to play in bed till nine and. Have a fry up because that's fantastic. It's it's exactly what I did, I've I've been doing. 
spend most of my time stood at the side of the fridge, opening it to see if anything new's in there. They never did. Um, but but the alternative at the minute is we don't make any positive steps. We don't challenge ourselves and make our life and make our daily routine our work. And then everything's falling down. Something's up. Exactly. No, good. I, I, I was going to say. I was going to say to Nigel, is, is that reassuring to you? I just want to butt in a little bit because, um, for, for me, it's not a case of, well, you know, I not 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 got work. I can just lay in bed till nine. Um, yeah. I'm I'm self-employed in the construction industry. Mm. You know, if I take a day off, if I take holidays, yeah. I, I got to pay for that. Yeah, and and that's well, that's the reality. So mm. I haven't had a holiday since I came back from Europe. I haven't had a holiday since 2016. No. You know, this is one of those rare occasions that isn't a Sunday that it's like, well, everybody else is in the same boat. I, I watched Vistry Home Group um, yesterday. They, they're Bloor, Bovis, Linden. They shut yeah. all their sites. Crayford yeah. Homes, exactly the same. Mm. I watched all those. And so I know in my vicinity, there's going to be 100 people to every job. I faced this once before in 2008 when the, when the yeah. financial crash. You know, I went from being a, a very well-paid manager down to unemployed, 100 people to every job. Been there, done that. Been, you know, I'm having, you know, I'm divorced. You know, two kids that I never see. You know, yeah. I've been at the precipice once before, and I'm here again. The only light at the end of the tunnel for me is that this is hopefully very temporary. Um, they're talking three. They're talking a three-week shutdown, and and so we can get through the get through the worst of it. I understand that a three-week lockdown is it, you can, you know, I could just about stomach that. My personal concern, my biggest worry, is for the guys that I see on the ground around me. They don't earn as much money as I do. They don't have the savings that I have. They don't have the foresight to plan that far ahead. And I'm thinking, how can I help them? What can I do for them to try and get them either back into work or doing something productive? You know, we're in we're in lockdown. We're in you know we're in social distancing, so it's not like I can even go to them and say, "Come on, let's go to the park. Let's go and kick a ball. Let's go and do something physical." You know, the most interaction I've had with some of the guys, we've had a you know we've had a video chat on on WhatsApp, and trying to lift their spirits. To think about the future, it's incredibly difficult. You know, I mean, how how do I, you know, how do we how do we push forward for for other people? And I'm looking for hope from the government. I'm looking for some sense of financial security from them. You know, because that it's their it's their policies that have pushed us down this road, and I'm getting nothing. You know, it was Michael Gove that said no construction workers can carry on, and everyone else said well actually here's a risk assessment you know you better stay home fellas see you in a few see you in a few weeks time and this is totally unexpected totally out of the blue 2008 i think 90 percent of us could see it coming did, did we know it was going to be as bad as it was not really but it, it crept up on us nonetheless but this one's just it's a bolt from the blue yeah it's where, where do we go from here <clears throat> Just, just on that on that basis, Nigel. I mean, one of the things that this this is highlighted, and, and it's it's a subject that you and I have discussed before, is the way that the construction industry, and to to that effect, the, the demolition industry is is set up. You know, we we have pushed one way or another. We have pushed people into self employment in recent years. You know, we, we've got a multi tiered 
uh, industry where you've got main contractors and specialist contractors and specialist subcontractors and so on down the line. And we, we've gradually pushed people to the to the point where where you are, you know, into agency work or, or self employment. And and one of the reasons that we do, we've done that as an industry is so that we don't have to have a financial burden. In other in other words, we, you know, as an industry, we have pushed that financial burden onto the likes of, of you and and your hundreds of thousands of colleagues, you know, who keep the wheels turning. Uh, and it's it's at times like this where the industry is. is I wouldn't say it's turned its back, but it certainly isn't. Doesn't seem to be doing a great deal to to help you guys out. No, I I, I thought about this. Do you remember I, when we were on the podcast there? I spoke to you about my my idea for a for a, for a training fund or a training yes. credit system. Now I, I thought quite a lot about that, and I, I you know I see all these nice vans from from the likes of John Riley's and McCoys and and Barham's and such. They've all got these nice little stickers on the back, you know, about yay big. And they're from all of these accreditation agencies that tell them they're all tick box bureaucrats that say, you know, we, we guarantee that our work Chaz and Nice and EIC and, and such. We all know the names and we all know the, the acronyms. And where, where are they? You know, construction companies are paying into these companies, into these accreditation bodies, you know, sometimes tens of thousands of pounds every year for some girl in an office to tick the boxes, put a stamp on it. You know, where, where is this, you know, where, where's the money? Where's the, where's the slush fund? And can we have some back please? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, you know, cause we're at the bottom, you know, our, they, they've pushed us into self-employment to, to corner the costs. To, to try and make it so that they've fixed the costs and it's not going to cost them a long-term financial burden with pensions and such. I understand that. As a businessman, I would probably want to do the same. But at the same time, they've only had to do that because their own costs are, are quite exponential also. You know, the cost of running a business, insurances. I can, I wouldn't want to hazard the telephone numbers for, for, the, for the cost of insuring a, a, a groundworks or civil engineering company. But then you, if you've also got to pay for accreditation bodies in, or, in order to be able to, to, to in order to, to bid for work, in order to apply to, to bid for contracts, if you do that, then surely somebody should have a fund somewhere that says, right, these, work, these guys that work in construction, have we set something aside just in case? Is there is there a fund that we can tap into, or is everybody just going to say, "Yeah, well, you know, here's the government, here's welfare, thanks very much, Tana. You know, we'll we'll give you a ring when we've got some work for you." Do you think? Yeah, I, 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 go, go, you go on, Danny. I, I I do have a point, but go on. You you started first. Fine. Uh, I was just really going to raise. It's not really my area of expertise by any means. Um, but the, the, the point around the, the, the big Pimlico plumbers case that we saw where they're trying to make it so that self-employed people get the same rights as, uh, to an extent, you know, this IR35 trap of, you know, should, if you work XYZ self-employed, should you then be treated as employed and get the same benefits? There's a chance that, that this is going to, um, it's going to push, it's going to push that, that motive, that, that scheme even further, isn't it? Because ultimately now, We've got a situation with six plus million people, Nigel being one of multiple, the people that work within my business, some of them, me as a business, self-employed, you know, 
historically as an electrician and everything else, they are now they need to be helped because if not, we've got five, six million people that are going to try and stay positive and go, look, you know, here's what it is. We're going to try and do what we can do. But but Nigel's effectively got a forced Christmas break now that he would have prepared for by Christmas, but it isn't Christmas. So Christmas has come early in a bad way rather than in a good sense. And where's the, like Nigel said, where's the pot? I know the electrical industry's charity, EIC, help out in various cases, but that pot is going to be drained in seconds if it was to try and support even every electrician that plays into it. Um, so there's an element maybe for businesses to be more responsible around this. I don't know how easy that would be, but, but in particular the government, I would say, has got to look at this as a bigger, as a much bigger issue. Um, Getting back to your area of expertise, Danny, <clears throat> I'm fairly sure you said to me yesterday that you, you've actually prepared some resources that people can tap into have, you know, yeah. if, if, if they are starting to feel the strain, not the financial strain, because there's not a great deal you can do about that, but the emotional no. and, and mental awareness strain, you know? Yeah. Um, so I've, I've written a couple of bits and bobs, which I can pass on to you, Mark, for your, um, for your media to pass out to people. So we've done one piece uh, about the homeschooling thing, not that we should try and educate our kids because that's not our job with parents. So people that have got kids just really around the routine and some tips and advice that we think we're going to update that with how it's worked for us with a real life thing. Then a couple of infographics around looking after your body, looking after your mind, basic stuff. It's all freely available, but I've consolidated it and I've just written a, um, an article uh, which I posted onto LinkedIn, which really is my thoughts, a bit about what we're, like, what we're discussing now, how I see it, how it's affected me, and how that might resonate with other people. But really, uh, I see it as like the stages of grief, quite frankly, um, that we're going through, the denial, the anger, the, you know, the, 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 the searching for answers, um, and, and some of the practical stuff that I'm trying to implement. Because I'm in the same boat, I've got no income, I'm not, you know, I'm not suitably well off enough to say, ah, so right, we can cope for six months. It really isn't that. So, but I have to remain upbeat and try and take some of my own advice, really, you know, with the information. So, yeah, I can make them available to you. Um, no problem. Yeah. Get those over to me, Danny. Um, I, I can see I've actually got somebody else coming on, on stream now. I know you've got other things to do. You've got to go and pull the kids apart or go and yeah, make some more bread or whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah, wash them. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so I'll, if you're okay, I'm going to duck you out. If you make that stuff, that stuff available, I'll share it uh, far and wide. Um, so, Nigel, it's, it's you and I, and I'm, I'm just about to bring in um, Nick Williamson, who I hope is – yeah, it looks like he's, he's with us. I'm not sure if he can hear us. Yeah, I think it's, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you loud and clear, Nick. Now, one Excellent. of the things that, that – Hello. Nick, Hello to you both. Yeah, Nick is the chairman of uh, Maylarch. Um and he put a post on LinkedIn yesterday, um, basically offering the demolition industry's services in a, a more practical sense. Obviously, we, we, the demolition industry is known for being able to knock stuff down. Um, but there are a lot of skills possessed within the industry that, that go beyond that. Nick, what, what were you saying? Let, I'll, I'll, rather than me putting words in your mouth, you, you tell us what you were saying. Okay, so more specifically, this is for... Um, uh, asbestos removal contractors, but there are a lot of demolition contractors who are licensed to to do the do the same. Um, the the issue that hospitals have got, along with a lack of ventilators, is that they also have a lack of spaces, safe spaces for medical teams to 
intubate patients and put them onto these ventilators. Um, the issues that uh, the, the process of intubating a patient with COVID-19 uh, means that they have to, to push air down the throat, into the mouth, down the throat, into the airways uh, to, to help them breathe. But during that process, what they do is that they tend to uh, create a load of spray and turn a lot of the virus into an aerosol, which is then very dangerous for the medical teams that are trying to help the patient. Uh, that would normally be done in a negative pressure area and hospitals, uh, certainly ICUs, emergency departments have these facilities, but they only have so much of it. Um, what uh, asbestos removal contractors can do is, and I urge them to do this, is to get in touch with their local hospitals uh, and start trying to talk to the right people and offer their services so that if hospitals do run out of these spaces, that they can then <clears throat> come in and build them a few bays, put an enclosure up so that uh, the medical teams can do this in much more safe manner um, and potentially don't uh, contaminate themselves. Uh, one of the issues is once at the moment, what we've got with COVID-19 is uh, we've got the sort of two stay two metres away from each other uh, guidance. And that's to do with the fact that, generally speaking, if we cough or just generally breathing, uh, we, there's sort of little bits of spit or, 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 or moisture which, which leave us. But by the time they get two metres, they've already hit the floor. So they're, they're not going to be a problem for, for the people around us. The problem was when you aerosolize a, a, something like this, it gets airborne and it can travel. Uh, and uh, the... One of the issues, uh, from, from my understanding, is that the uh, protective equipment that they have uh, will protect them against the normal run of, of transmission. Um, but as soon as it becomes an aerosol, it becomes much more difficult to protect themselves. And this is one of the reasons uh, why in Spain they're seeing very high numbers of uh, medical teams getting uh, contaminated whilst trying to help their patients. What I'm hoping is that uh, if anybody is interested in this and wants to know more about it, so please get in touch with me. Uh, either come come via my LinkedIn uh, profile or, or, or ring uh, ring the office. We are currently building uh, additional negative pressure areas for treatment uh, at a hospital in Oxford, hospital in Banbury. Uh, my brother is an emergency doctor, which is the reason I've, I've got an understanding of this. Uh, and uh, he's having some bays built in Bath, where he's working from. Uh, and uh, we've got some conversations going with some hospitals in London as well. Um, but this is not just, this is not about, purely about us. This is about all asbestos removal contractors who understand how to put up uh, um, enclosures, negative pressure areas that they could go in and potentially give hospitals who are running out of space an opportunity to increase that space temporarily. Uh, as I say, this is this is really to help protect the the uh, the doctors, nurses, and other other parts of the the health teams that are, are looking to help people.
I have to say, Nick, um, hats off for that, and, and hats off for actually thinking outside the box. Although the, the fact that your your brother is is closer related, obviously that that helps to to influence things. One of the things I think has come has become clear for, from my point of view with with what's going on, I, I I'm very conscious of there are people that are being compassionate, being kind, being generous, and being helpful, and there are those that aren't. Um, my, my hope is that when all this is over and done with, people will remember, and people will remember the, the sort of efforts that you've made, the, the guys over at uh, Cantal on a, uh, trying to uh, raise PPE for the, the, the NHS and that kind of thing. So uh, I'm not going to take my hat off because my, my earphones have fallen off, but hats off to you, Nick. Thanks ever so much for, for, for your efforts. Thanks for, for coming but on the today. Thing is, the, this, the, 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 this is, the, there are millions of people trying to help. Uh, and the ones who really are putting their lives on the line are frontline staff, not not only in hospitals, but in various caring situations. You've got um, uh, social workers are still trying to go out and, and move around and try and help people. You've got elderly care workers going out trying to, to sort these, these people out. And then they may have elderly people at home that they're trying to protect, but they're still going out uh, and... Uh, uh, and <laughs> as I say, I think they're putting their lives on the line a little bit, especially if they're 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 of a certain age. I don't want to point any fingers at you, Mark. Um, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not as old as I look. No, I am. I'm every bit as old as I look, actually. <laughs> no, so am I, mate. We're, we're all potentially. Uh, uh, we need to be careful. Um, but I think it's not about individuals. It's a, literally is about a team effort, irrespective of what we may feel about how. Uh, government has handled things um, running up to this and in, a, in, in this crisis. Uh, all of that will have to be dealt with at a later stage, but what we all need to do is, uh, is pull together. I think what it does actually highlight is who the actual key workers are in our, in our society. Van drivers, delivery drivers, people who are shacking, stacking shelves in supermarkets, nurses, doctors, all of those... Uh, people that we all sort of know, but there's all of the, the army of people who quite often, going back to your earlier uh, um, piece, you know, they're, they're on very precarious working practices. Um, and uh, and I'd like to just send out, I'm, I'm very, very much thinking of all the people who are self-employed, uh, people like yourselves, Nigel. Uh, I've, I used to be self-employed at one time. I was very happy to become employed. Uh, uh, through that, because it is has always been a pretty precarious way of of doing things. Um, I would I would hope that I would hope that the H that the government and the HMRC will will take swift action on uh, the uh, uh, self employed. Look at the whatever books they've got and give people the same as they're giving people uh, the the furloughed. Uh, work staff eight percent up to a maximum of two and a half grand. Yeah, that yeah. is going to be. I think that is actually a very, very good uh, th thing for obviously for people, uh, for workers who so that they can continue to buy food, pay bills, and all the rest of it. Um, but also for businesses to be able to pick things up when they are allowed to get back to work quickly with a workforce that is there if they're in if their workforce is employed. I have to say we tend to employ as many people as possible. Uh, we we do rely on uh, an agency uh, people when um, 
when we're getting really busy but uh, we try to use uh, as much as possible we try to uh, employ people uh, to fill those gaps if we possibly can I would hope that more and more people do that when they see the the, the issues that it causes going forward yeah yeah Nick, well, Nick, I know you, you, I mean, I'm sure, your I'm sure with, the, uh, with the asbestos contractors really has to be applauded and, and thank you. And, and thank you for spreading the word on, on, on how other asbestos contractors can help in the future. No, thank you I, very, very much. Well, it's, it's, it's very kind of you to say, Nigel, but what I would urge you to do is to share. Um, if you go to my LinkedIn profile, uh, I've written a little article, which is pretty much the same that I've posted on the uh news page on the mail arch website uh please share that out and and share it to any contacts that you've got in the asbestos uh removal industry and any nhs uh contacts now the thing is that the the it's all well and good having the idea but trying to get people to understand and getting the two two sets of people that need to be talking together it, it is quite difficult um but as soon as people start making the effort, I think uh, they should come together quite quickly. Um, we'll be able to talk through with asbestos removal companies, the sorts of things that they need to be putting in. Um, having said that, clinicians in every hospital will have their own ideas about what they want. But one of the, the, the benefits is that we're, we're a very flexible business. So we're able to, oh, excuse me, dog's gone off. Uh, we're very flexible on site, so we should be able to, to, to put, put up whatever they need, uh, wherever they need it, including tents and car parks, it's whatever they want. Fantastic. Nick, I know you've got better things to do with your time than, than talk to us old buffers here. Uh, I'll let you go and I'll carry on with Nigel, but thanks ever so much for your time, Nick. I will share a, a copy of um, your article over on my LinkedIn as well, so we'll, we'll try and get Thank that you. out far and wide. But thanks ever so much for your time today. Thank you both. Uh, I hope you can both stay well and uh, gamefully employed. Stay safe. The All the best, Nick. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks very much. Stay safe. Right, Nigel, uh, I, coming back to you, because uh, while this has been going on, we've had a couple of comments. I've just had one come in from uh, Scott on Facebook. Not sure who he works for, but uh, it's just said, we've just been informed that all our sites are to close on Friday. Um, another one here from um, Paul Bokes. I haven't worked since uh, 14th of February. Wow. Uh, hopefully uh, we'll know something soon. Uh, can't live on nothing. Uh, had some back funds, but it's not going to last. Really, uh, government needs to tell us what's going to happen for the self-employed. Well, it goes without saying. I think you'd echo those sentiments, Nigel. You know, the, the self-employed do need some some reassurance. Going back to what Danny was saying, you know, that that's part of it, isn't it? It's the uncertainty. And and if we, you know, if if you thought you were getting an eighty percent of what you normally earn, it wouldn't be particularly comfortable. At least you'd have a bit a, a bit of a safety net there, wouldn't you? You you would have you would have something, but it's. Uh... This is a conversation I've had with uh, quite a few people over many, many months um, with regards to what it actually costs to live. And when people say, oh, but, you know, you can tighten your belt a little bit and this and that. And I'm like, well, do you know what it costs to rent a house? Do you know what it is to, to pay the council tax? Do you know what the, you know, the water rates and keeping the lights on, the gas, the utilities, you know, just basic... I mean, my little two-bedroom house, you know, 
I've, I've got the rent, 825. Then you put on top of that the, the council tax, the water, the electricity, the, the clean water coming in. You know, we're, we're instantly, at, I think we're at um, £1,250 a month. That's just that's just a basic little two bedroom house, you know. That's that's the that's just to live. That's just to put a roof over the head. Then that's not including grocery shopping for for three people. Well, two two people and a baby, you know. That's it's quite insane when people say, "Oh, you you know, you should put a little bit by. You should put a little bit by." Yeah, but I've got a car to insure. I've got servicing to do. I've got MOTs. I've got I've got to tax the thing, as well as try and make sure that we've actually got clothes and. And, and something nice to eat and yeah it's it's a, it's a struggle to keep it, it's a struggle to keep going when the cost of living just keeps rising and you you want to keep putting something aside and keep putting a bit more aside and a bit more aside but now i mean if this carries on for for anything more than about six or eight weeks that's me done that's me wiped out and you've got people living week to week and they don't earn as much as me, they, and that's the that's the shameful part. But they've still got the same bills as I've got. True. I mean, one one of the things that you know, struck me about about all this is, and I don't want to labour the point because I don't really want to give them the publicity. But you and I originally started talking about training and the cost thereof, and, and the difficulties that, that 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 throws up. The fact that the construction industry training board is is maintaining its demand on on levies. You know, I, I just—it just seems like there's a huge disconnect there between, you know, the powers that be and those that are actually doing the work. You know, it's—it's it's the same as. I don't know what the situation is with your your various cards that you hold, but you know, you would like to think that if one of your cards was up for renewal, somebody might have the good sense to say, "Do you know what? You sit on it for another six months. It's not going to be a big deal." I don't get the feeling they would do that at all. I think they'd actually take the money and and never mind the consequences. You know. Well, I, I'm I'm having to ask the question: Is the CITB now fit for purpose, and does it actually have a purpose? Because what we have to remember, and 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 you know this as well as me, the CITB created the CPCS product, and they sold it to the NOCN. Now, exactly what does the CITB think it's going to do, and what input is it supposed to have on the industry? Yeah, what? Why are we paying a levy to somebody who doesn't want to have any kind of administration with the, the qualification and certification of, of operators and, 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 and even operatives within the industry? Because the CSCS card, you know, that was for that was for labourers, you know, labourers right through to management. I mean, uh, if they don't want to have anything to do with the industry through <coughs> certification and accreditation, then what the hell do we need them for? We don't. It's it's you know, crazy. It's a subject that I... N pause and and the CCDO card with 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 the NFDC. I mean, the NFDC have shown have shown more leadership with the with the CCDO card than CITB has shown us with the with the CPCS product. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've I've been writing about construction for thirty odd years, and and I think it's every three years that the uh, the future of the CITB is is brought up for for consideration, and I I don't remember a time when the the industry universally backed it but i think at the moment I, I think it it was quite lucky to get through its last investigation unscathed or largely unscathed i i'm not too sure now you know as i say i mean i'm, I'm not entirely sure what purpose it serves aside from keeping some bureaucrats in 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 jobs i, I 
you know, at, at a time, and you know, I, I think this goes wider than the CITB. You know, the, I think the Build uh, Build UK are putting out some good information, but you would have thought that good information today would have been, you know, what can we do for our our workers? What can we do for our employees? And and also, you know, advising people to shut their sites. You know. I've said it time and time again. I'm I'm getting bored with the sound of my own voice now. But you know, our entire industry, whether it's construction or demolition, hinges upon risk assessments. And the risk at the moment is, if you go out, you could you could either get the virus, you could spread the virus, you could put somebody else in danger. Why do that? You know, why why is Build UK not standing up and being counted and saying, you know, our advice is shut up shop. Let's keep it safe. Give back some of the money that they've they've had over the years and. You know, just trying to give a bit back to the industry that they serve. I think they're hedging their bets a little bit. It's uh, it, it's a difficult one, though, Mark, and it, this is something I've thought about quite a lot because, you know, there are guys, I mean, the guys I spoke to yesterday as, you know, as we were leaving site, obviously not shaking hands because <laughs> it wasn't the right thing to do. But, you know, they're, they're, in, they're in limbo. I mean, one young lad, he's... he's he's almost in tears he, he doesn't know what to do he's desperate for a he's desperate for a site to stay open so that he can earn some money because he's got a young he's got a young girlfriend they've got a young baby together they've, they've got to pay the bills and i think for somebody like build uk they're in they're between the rock and the hard place because they've also got to think well what about the guys on site what about the guys that can work on the ground that aren't in direct contact i mean try indoor trades and wet trades forget mm-hmm. it no no chance not not at all possible for them guys to work because they're in an enclosed environment and there are multiple trades working inside a house at any one point in time but if you look at the groundwork in trades the the groundwork in trades the landscaping i i do honestly think it is possible for those trades provided they the guys came in individually or if they if they live together, then fine. But if they came in individually, I do think it is possible for those trades to maintain work without having to shut down completely. But it's a really tough call. How do you you know how do you say to somebody, yeah, mate, you know, thanks very much. It's all over. And you you, you know, you, know you, you just do you get from that. You you've just made a point that I think a lot of people are missing here. I mean, I I, I mentioned the other day on on this very live stream. I, I started as a freelance in 1990, so I went um, I went self employed in June 1990, and then the arse fell out of the market and we we had a recession. I lived through that, worked through that, worked through another one in 2008. But the, the young guy that you just mentioned there. You and I can draw on the experience of 2008 and, and certainly my case of 91 or 1991. They have no experience. You know, if, if that guy's anything under about 25, he's not done this before. You know, this this is coming completely out of left field. What support is in place for them? At the minute, none. You know, mm. I mean, the, the company, um, I mean, Brian Turner has been great. For, for all the guys you know they've been given they, they've all got the number for the office they've been told to ring in and what whatever help we can the, the company can offer it is being offered to them i mean the company is chasing hmrc for some concrete answers but as as of yet hmrc they're just they're just tax collectors they don't want to give it back you know they're they're, they're talking about 80 percent for 
uh, 80% pay for the for the employed, but that, that they're not going to do that for our self-employed. I mean, one guy I spoke to yesterday, he was talking £750 um, lump sum and then £94 a week um, as, the, as per the statutory sick pay. Well, £94 a week, that ain't even my, you know, that, that's, that's, my day rate's more than that. Yeah. You know, £94 a week, come on, that's 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 not normal. I mean, that's, um, uh, I think the EU de, uh, deemed pensioners should live on no less than £650 a month. That's pensioners should live on no less than £650 a month. Well, £94 a week, you divvy that up for the month, that ain't even £400 in the month. So how yeah. how are you supposed to survive on that? It's not it's not possible. Um, I'm hoping that there's that that it's short lived, whether or not it is, because for the construction industry, our industry is built on confidence of investors that invest in property, that invest in the future, and that, that's also the same for the for the um, for the demolition industry. You know, that's also another industry that is based on confidence of of capital supply. You know, of, of money, of this, the, the continuous flow of money coming in to pay for things to be knocked down and to pay for things to be to be built again. Well, this is this isn't just the UK. This is global. You know, it's you've got lockdown in God knows how many countries at the minute, and you know our, we're we're seeing the same Armageddon, the financial Armageddon that we saw in two thousand and eight, but with the added crisis of of a, of a health you know of, of a pandemic and you know the two the, the cocktail of the two i think that's going to be quite a lot for any country to stomach yet alone an industry and i just i'm i'm hoping that somebody comes up with with some answers i mean whether or not we we have to start going into work in hazmat suits and rebreathers it's not ideal but i think something has to change something has to give I don't know. I don't know what the future holds, Mark. Well, on um, on that basis, I mean, I've just I've just looked out the corner of my eye, and we, we we've actually been on for fifty minutes, believe it or not. So it just goes to show I've got absolutely nothing else to do most of the time. So you, you've mentioned, you know, don't, don't, <laughs> you you just mentioned the fact that you don't know what the future holds. I, I, you know, what does the future hold? What what do you what do you do tomorrow morning? What do you do the day after? What do you do next week? Not tomorrow morning. Uh, tomorrow morning, I'm getting up at half past five. Um, I'm going for a walk around the block while it's all nice and quiet outside. And I'm going to wash the car. I'm going to wash the van. I'm going to try and keep myself busy, try and keep myself occupied and bring myself back into my normal, regular daily routine. You know, eat at 10 o'clock, eat at one o'clock, you know, find something to do at five o'clock that, that takes an hour and then dinner at six try and maintain what would be a normal working day so the garden's going to look amazing really the garden's going to look super <laughs> you know even if i have to be out there on my hands and knees scrubbing them them you know them slabs it's going to look super yeah good luck to you i don't know but... I, I'm, I'm desperate I'm, I'm 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 desperate for answers but the only thing i can do is is try and be there as a lifeline support um the best, the, the best thing. Any anybody who anybody watching this, who's a connection on LinkedIn, is a connection to me uh, through work. You know, if you're having a hard time, if you're having trouble dealing with this, just just hit me up a message. It's not a problem. I'll ping you the number. Just give me a ring. 
You know, we can have a chat, we can have a laugh. It's not a problem. But I, all I can do is, is offer some sort of moral support, some sort of camaraderie. I'm here if you need to talk. Nigel, I, there's nothing else I can add to that. Really, that that's precisely why we started this this live stream in the first place. Is you know, is, is somewhere for people to talk. We've we've had a, another big bunch of uh, people watching again today, um, and and that will only continue. Look, Nigel, you, you know where I am. I'd love to have you back on the show. Um, you know what my phone number. I was going to say you know where I live. That wouldn't really help you at the moment, but. Keep in touch. Keep your chin up. Keep your spirits yeah. up, and um, you know, hopefully we'll we, we'll, um, we'll meet up. We head back out to, yeah, as soon as we head back out to site, I'll um, I'll send you some I'll send you some pictures of all the gory details, and hopefully my lovely lady is sitting exactly where I left her, in exactly the same condition as I left her. Uh, when you say your lovely lady, you mean the machine, right? Oh yeah, Kelly, Kelly the Cavalco. <laughs> <laughs> she even just, has a just, name. Just had to check. <laughs> Nigel, you're an absolute oh, star. I wish you all the best. I'm going to go, and it's, t it's tea time. All the best Thanks to you, Mark. You take care. Thanks a lot, Nigel. All the best. Um, 53 minutes we've been talking. Um, I could do with a drink. I could probably do with a pee right about now as well. So I'm going to sign off. Thanks ever so much for joining us today. Thanks for all your comments. Thanks for all the feedback. Um, we will be uploading this, all things being equal, to YouTube later. So if you know anyone that, that wasn't here for it uh, and they'd like to see it, you can share it via YouTube. It will be over on demolitionnews.com. Um, just to echo what Nigel has said there really is we're all in this together. Uh, if you know somebody that's struggling, uh, struggling financially, struggling uh, emotionally, struggling with mental health problems, you can't put your arm around them. You can't even offer to shake them by the hand. But you know, be there for them. Be for, be there for each other. If I could be of any help, you know where I am. You know where to find me. Um, we've just had one last comment coming in. Um, no, it's a, it's a thumbs up from Paul. I'll take that thumbs up, Paul. Thank you very much indeed. Um, everyone, stay safe. Uh, look after yourselves, look after your families. Back again tomorrow. All the best. Cheers now.